listener production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, this one is going to possibly further fry the minds of the marketing, media and agency sectors. If dealing with COVID, rapid digital transformation, cookie monsters, personalisation and proactive regulators, looking at privacy and the digital advertising supply chain wasn't enough. But this one is coming, like it or not. And what is it, you ask? Well, an ambitious global project to develop a single source for cross-media measurement is high on the agenda of brands and marketers at the World Federation of Advertisers and its peer groups in the UK and the US. If the signal's coming out of the Australian Association of National Advertisers, the AANA as we know it, and its CEO John Broom are anything to go by, this market is going to feel a little cross-media heat too. So you may ask, what the hell is the WFA, the World Federation of Advertisers, and big brands doing getting their hands dirty down in cross-audience and media measurement? Well, because it's getting messy complex and murky and brand owners perhaps belatedly are cutting themselves into a measurement world today which is typically loaded with systems that don't allow for a connected view on media consumption and journeys across disparate platforms and channels. Through the WFA and a hugely ambitious project in the UK from ISBAR, the Incorporated Society of British Advertisers, codenamed Origin, marketers are backing a cross-media measurement pilot that is likely to upturn how media and platforms sell and what audiences brands buy. So with us today is a group of power rangers central to this global agenda. Unilever's VP Global Media, Sarah Mansfield, Matt Green, Director of Global Media Services at the WFA, Richard Holton, the Director of Project Origin at ISBAR, and the WNA's CEO, John Broom. So welcome to you all. John Broom, just a quick heads up from you first. We, we just talked about what the big picture intent here is from global advertisers. Why are we having this conversation? What is the big issues here for you, John? Okay, so look, about two and a half years ago, the AANA Media Group, which is our kind of like member-based and in-house media specialist, defined cross-media audience measurement as our number one priority. But we knew it was going to take some time. It's going to be messy, not easy. Uh, yet it's our biggest opportunity to drive better efficiency, effectiveness and transparency in how we plan and buy media. And then if you fast forward a few months after that, two years ago, the National Industry Association sat with the WFA uh, in a big room in Lisbon to define how an advertiser-led uh, global to local approach could work. That was really the start of the process. And two years on, um, the AANA has decided that it will take a fast follower approach to all the work that the WFA and ISBAR are doing around their pilot, uh, as you said, called Origin. As we watch and learn, uh, we now want to brief the Australian marketing industry and what is happening so that everyone can get the opportunity to get up to speed, ask questions and challenge it because we know this is going to cause a lot of, uh, lot of angst uh, in certain quarters and we're facing into that reality. But hopefully, you know, everyone will come on board and support it. Um, and what better way actually then to start this whole process off of communication in Australia by inviting our friends from WFA and ISPA uh, here today to share their thinking and progress today. Thanks, John. And that's exactly what we're going to do now. And we're going to go to Sarah Mansfield at Unilever first because, and welcome, Sarah. Uh, Unilever is one of the sort of the leading protagonists in this whole emerging world of cross-media measurement, right? We'll get to the what 
uh, with Matt and Richard. But but why is this happening, Sarah? Why are so many big brand owners driving a shake-up in media and audience measurement? It's it's kind of it's not typical territory for for someone like you or something like big brands to do, right? It's it's new territory. First of all, great to be here today. So thank you very much for welcoming us into this conversation. It is new territory for us. It's not necessarily new territory for Unilever. We've been championing our responsible media framework for a long time around responsible infrastructure, responsible content, responsible media. And, you know, it very much sits in this bucket. Um, But on the why, um, you know, I mean, media consumption habits have been changing for a long time now um, with the increase in um, digital expenditure, the media ecosystem has just become far, far more complex than it ever has been. And the thing is that existing measurement solutions just haven't kept pace um, in terms of the changes in consumer habits, particularly in the area of cross-media management. So what does that mean? I mean, you know, there's been little convergence in the way media is exposure is measured and it provides you with little opportunity, therefore, to understand true deduplicated reach of a message and the impact of that in terms of the efficiencies and effectiveness of your advertising. And secondly, it results in a super poor consumer experience because consumers just get bombarded by the same ad all the time. And, you know, and and we need the ability to be able to effectively measure and control ad frequency across platforms to say to to deliver a better consumer experience and drive out inefficiencies and wasteful um, planning in our media communication plans. Well, there's a lot in there, right, Sarah? And I guess it seems to me that it sounds like reach and frequency or dealing with reach and frequency and deduplicating it is a primary driver for this initially. Is, Is that right? Yeah, it's very much so. Yeah, I mean, that's where it started here is that, you know, um, we have a lot of complexity in the media uh, landscape and, um, you know, particularly on the digital platforms, um, you know, a lot of duplication in terms of media consumption. And we don't have the effective measurement systems to be able to do that and the effective ways to be able to share data between the wall gardens as well in a safe and secure way. And uh, we need a framework, we need an infrastructure to be able to do that. And so how significant is this overlap, Sarah, in reach in the sense that there are too many people that might be getting too many messages too often and globally in the case of Unilever? Are we talking here a quantum that's 5, 10, 15% too high uh, for what it should be? Is there a sense on that? Yeah, so I think a cross-media measurement solution will deliver a number of benefits for advertisers. First of them is exactly that. It's about you know uh, removing uh, wasteful uh, frequency and duplication in the system. The second one is more effective planning systems through um, better optimization of your plans by knowing you know where you go to deliver incremental reach versus and plan frequency in a a measured way rather than blindly as we do at the moment. And the third one is about you know being able to understand better outcomes based upon this as well. And I think you know if that does not deliver at least a double-digit improvement in terms of the effectiveness of our um, media plans, um, then you know and 
you know, I I think that's probably underestimating it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's at least sort of 10% plus, I would say. And when you're talking about Unilever and the amount of money we spend on media, that is significant. Well, there's a couple of hundred dollars you blow a year on that, Sarah. It's not insignificant, is it? Exactly. Well, to Matt, you you started all this, right? The the WFA started this big, ambitious project in terms of the global coordination. What what is it that you're looking to do, uh, you are doing at a global level and are now doing in in cross-media measurement? Why did this start, Matt? And and I think it happened a couple of years ago, right, to John's point. Yeah, well, we didn't really start it, to be honest. Um, we, like any good advertiser association, we were prompted by our members to take a leadership stance in this area. Unilever and other brands sort of asked us to progress the dialogue, really, because cross-media measurement is arguably more of a political challenge than anything else. And so we were invited to try and take a leadership stance and try and bring the actors together in order to to move the agenda on. And John is right, Lisbon was a key moment. Lisbon 2019, which is WFA's Global Marketer Week conference, and it was that moment where we brought a bunch of the global actors to come and have a dialogue with a number of our National Advertiser Association community, including John and others. And it was at that moment where there was an agreement from the National Advertiser Association Council that we would explore a possible global to local sort of principle approach for cross-media measurement. So as part of that, we spoke to lots of people. We spoke to platforms, we spoke to TV companies, we spoke to agencies and measurement companies and others. And that became, that became a kind of working group where, which ultimately developed a key set of principles for cross-media measurement that we could all agree to and sitting on top of those principles was a key document. It's a very simple one, really. It's the Advertiser North Star. And this has been, this, is, this whole program of work is a very much an advertiser-led program. And this Advertiser North Star is really important because it spells out what advertisers want from cross-media measurement. And they, they have ambitious, ambitious needs, of course. They want deduplicated reach and frequency across TV and digital. But they don't want to stop at video, they want to embrace Um, other formats such as display as well. And they want this to be a continuous, always-on solution. It's the kind of functionality we've become used to from TV, but we've never seen this kind of aligned solution which covers TV and digital as well. And, you know, this should be accurate. So we've kind of been pointing towards solutions which go beyond just panels. It's our view that panel-only solutions might not be able to capture the complexity that exists in TV alone, let alone TV plus digital. So we've kind of been thinking that a panel plus census is probably, a panel plus census model is probably the best way forward. So we had this ambitious advertiser North Star. We had this set of principles which align with that North Star and which were variously agreed with by many of the actors in the industry. To be honest, they were relatively incontrovertible and I would suggest that most people in the industry could agree with them. So key set of principles, and that was really important, just to sort of level set and bring everyone up to a sort of the common sort of understanding. It brings, it brings everyone forward. So that was, a, that was a key piece of work. What followed that was the development of an actual technical proposal which could sit underneath those principles and would agree with the advertiser North Star. So we've got what you might call a class of technologies, a bunch of technologies which have been proposed by the working groups that we were that we put into motion, this set of technologies is based on a panel and census methodology. It agrees with the North Star. It agrees with our principles. So we're quite we're quite 
happy with that. We think that's a compelling proposal. We submitted that to a peer review where we invited many in the industry to come and scrutinize that and do a sort of mass collective tire kicking exercise. That was a useful opportunity for people to have a point of view on it. Well, I was going to ask, how did that go down, Matt? Well, yeah, so good and bad. There were lots of outstanding questions. And I, didn't, I think we sort of realized that we can't answer all of those questions because it was quite theoretical at that point in time. It needed more implementation. It needed more examination, validation. And so this was the key uh, moment where the baton was handed over to uh, local advertiser associations. So that's when Richard at ISBA and Bill Tucker at the ANA picked up that baton and began exploring how these technologies could be validated and possibly piloted in the UK and the US. And then we get to Richard because this is where he picks up the baton, right, and trying to and sort of deploying a pilot, if you like. So, so Richard, welcome. And you're overseeing this this project. We talk about Origin. Lots of eyes are looking at it. Everything from government bodies and regulators, as I understand in our previous conversations, are, are, are liking the idea. Brand owners are, are backing it. You've got the big tech platforms uh, backing it, and slowly maybe the broadcasters are coming on board. Um, so we talked about the conceptual stuff from from Matt. What is this magic that you're cooking up over there in the UK? Do tell us. Hey, Paul. Um, good to be here. And like Matt and Sarah both said, I think the the magic here is having the advertiser community on board because at the end of the day they're the customer for this service with media agencies that represent them and they are the only actors in the ecosystem who can broker across different media owners to try and get this done and that's that for me is where the sort of residual weight in this whole argument lies um, and so really from that point onwards the challenge is to bring the industry together to have a proper conversation about the solution and as Matt said, you know, that, that conversation was begun by the WFA, but it became quickly pretty apparent that until you got into the detail of this thing, what it was, you know, what could be provided globally, what to, had to be provided locally, um, how does it relate to existing measurement systems that exist um, in each country, um, and what are the components that we're going to need to build and operate, and how is that going to function? You know, there's some quite, you know, separable, pragmatic, practical questions that have to be addressed. But I think getting people on side is involved doing the work. Um, and so that's why we're focused on developing a prototype solution, which we'd like to try and get up and running this summer, and also to building a model for how we think this would work involving, you know, the broader industry of of actors that you've just you've just described. So it's been, you know, it's a fun project. There's at the heart of it, there's a sort of bit of technical integration, some nice data science, and then, you know, a really good proper conversation about the business and the funding and how that's all going to operate. And, you know, we're right. Well, I was going to say there's, there's data science, there's also some political science by the, by the sounds of it too, um, uh, in terms of Richard, in terms of getting all these actors together. So you've got five or six of the big platforms come together, they've agreed. So who are they? And, and, and how did you do that, for instance, because that is a, a feat in mustering, if you like. Yeah, so at the top of the podcast, you sort of listed off all the things that, you know, we're dealing with as an industry in terms of kind of <laughs> disruption from the internet and regulatory change and brand safety and so on and so forth. And actually, I think what's what's been helpful in terms of the digital platforms is that cross-media measurement actually does speak to a lot of those issues, right? So if you have uh, platforms who are prepared to see their data uh, independently audited 
by a third party. That's unusual. They're, they're each very responsible, you know, with respect to their own media, but, you know, they operate in silos. And so the challenge for them is to push their first party data into an environment where someone else can run the rule over it and kind of uh, deem it the, the quality of the inputs to be sufficient and then kind of apply standard metrics and then publish a set of outputs. Now, if, you work, if you've worked in the TV industry for the last 20 years, that's all very familiar. That's what you do every morning when you check the overnights. But if you've worked for right. Google or Facebook, that's, that's all pretty new. So as, um, as you know, it's been alluded to already, this is, I think it's cultural as much as political change, actually, that we've been trying to drive. But that, but that was the big kind of check mark of the WFA process and the work that we were doing at ISBA with Google and Facebook and Amazon and others at a global level, you know, that conversation has been driven out of the UK as well, was essentially bringing that group to the table and having them sort of look advertisers in the eye and say, yeah, we're going to do this. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that had to happen before we could then unlock the conversation with other media. And you're having that conversation with other media now, at least because it's video and all screens and channels is where you're starting, correct? Video and display. Video and display. In the right. UK, we have, you know, on the digital side, pure digital, we have Google, Facebook, Amazon, Snap, TikTok, all around the table. Um, but we also have the publisher community, so Ozone Newsworks representing the UK uh, news brands. Um and then, um, yeah, as you say, then then the video players and, you know, the broadcasters have been involved with the work um, all the way through. I think we just now need to find a structure in which we can get TV data into the system that, that they're comfortable with. And, you know, the way that Origin is set up based on the WFA framework you know, we're, we're going to rely on the existing data for existing media and we're going to fuse that. Um, via via a panel, um, a virtual ID model using a panel that will will specify in the UK. So, I think the, the nice thing about the WFA solution is it's very respectful of existing data. The way we're implementing right. it in the UK is respectful of existing metrics, um, and that's you know, and then it's audited across the top so that everyone has comfort that they're being you know dealt with in a fair and reasonable way. Yes, because I can I can hear um, the questions firing uh, over here in terms of well, what are these people doing? Are they going to reinvent the wheel on measurement? Do we create a brand new single source currency? But no, what's happening is you're going to fuse existing currencies and measurements uh, into some fabulously smart piece of kit yeah i mean the, the, basically we're at a bit of a fork in the road in terms of measurement you know traditional media is measured by panels uh they're very effective they're statistically robust but when you're trying to track a two second view on uh snapchat on a mobile you know panels break down at a certain level of granularity and at the end of the other end of the spectrum you know all media owners be it broadcasters youtube etc now are sitting on this absolute kind of treasure trove of real first party data you know the, actually what happened so the challenge for us was you know either you kind of keep building ever bigger panels or you wait for all data to become first party and you fuse all that together 
And the first is really expensive and inefficient. And the second involves sitting around and waiting for the internet to obliterate all other forms of media, which, you know, that's that's 10 plus years away. So the, the approach we're, t- we're taking is a fusion of the two. Okay, and I'll get to the fusion methodology. Actually, Sarah, I might ask you a bit on this in a second. But in terms of the response then from broader industry, uh, Richard, from, from media owners more broadly, agencies, and beyond government institutions as well. What, how has it gone down? It's early, I realise, but how is it going down? Has it been received? So I think the principle is being universally welcomed, you know, right across the board. Everyone recognises that this is important for consumers and advertisers. And then the, the quick question quickly becomes how? And our approach has been, you know, don't trust us, let's do the work. Um, and that's why we want to build a prototype and get real data and prove to people that what we're able to generate is a, you know, a, a robust set of results that people can trust and rely on. And, you know, advertisers are not going to sign up for a system that they can't rely on any more than the media owner is going to sign up to a system that they don't believe properly reflects the, the value of their media. I think, I think that's the equation. Um, Sarah, I'm sure you know uh, there is no problem because you wouldn't be you know having this conversation. But in terms of the methodology, the fusion, bringing all this stuff together, you know, I'm old enough to remember the great uh, fusion debate and single source debate maybe 15 years ago in and around other things beyond media, uh, and it got quite contentious. You're comfortable that whatever, however, this is coming together as a as a big advertiser, uh, it's going to be robust enough for you to rely on this to make really important decisions, right? Yeah, most definitely. And um, I'm not an expert in these areas, uh, but I, I, you know, we have many great brains that are sitting around this table from all aspects of the advertising industry, from the platforms to now the research companies to the agencies. And it was very important that we actually have agencies at the table as well, because those are the people who are basically doing the planning and the buying on our behalf and also you know the insights and um and data science people from um, from our company as well trawling all over this and i'm confident therefore that we will get to the the best in terms of a solution and it will be robust and it will be um safe and privacy compliant as well What's your sense, Sarah, uh, on on how significant uh, or material this change will be and how you might plan, strategize, buy media and audiences in in, in a few years' time once we see the the results of these sorts of single-source cross-media initiatives come out? Is it potentially a significant change to how industry operates today, how marketers think, how agencies and media operate? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it will be a seismic shift um, when we make this happen. Um, you know, we're looking at a holistic um, approach to media planning here, everything from um, pre-planning um, in terms of um, identifying audiences and sizing audiences and opportunities through to the actual sort of detailed planning of our media plans through to in-flight optimization because this will be real-time data that will be running through this system through to back-end measurement in terms of being able to um, attach outcomes to um, our reach and frequency planning. Um, you know, it will be a fundamental seismic shift. And as Richard said as well, you know, across video and display, but, you know, our intention is not to stop there, um, you know, for it to eventually cover all media. Um, but we need to start somewhere and video and display is, is the best place to start. So, yeah, it will be a big change in terms of how we plan and buy. And um, I think it will, when it eventually happens, it will be welcomed by the whole industry because I think it will deliver better, more transparent outcomes for all.
Yeah, Richard, you talked about coming out of the broadcast sector before the gig you've got now. So what do you think? How, how will media owners, for instance, uh, at least at the, at the first instance, uh, what sort of big change goes on to them? What does this put onto a television broadcaster to operate differently? And equally the platforms, because I think there's, some, there's still some nervousness on at least some parts of the, of the industry about what this means for their business. Yeah, I mean, the thing if you're a broadcaster and, you know, I ran strategy for BBC Television for a few years, you know, you're, you're the transition from linear, from broadcast to digital in your own business is is challenging to manage, right? You, you Are you are you growing? Are you cannibalising your existing services? And, you know, the reality is, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, you know, rebalancing, shall we say, going on within the wider industry. So... You know, and controlling and managing that is not is not straightforward if you're a broadcaster. I think you know what we what I'd point to with cross media measurement is the opportunity actually to take a piece of the digital playbook for the broadcasters. You know, this is an opportunity to prove all of the value that the digital platforms have been demonstrating back to the advertiser community in relation to broadcaster digital services. So let's create a level playing field where broadcaster VOD can prove itself to be, you know, more than match of, of, of digital platforms. And, you know, equally digital platforms have their own story to sing in terms of the quality of the context of their media and their ability to reach young audiences. So I think, you know, digital media measurement doesn't actually change the game, but it does mean, I think, that people get proper credit for what they're doing and the audiences they're reaching and how that, that reach is trans- translated into outcomes. And, you know, I think... You know, if I was back at a broadcaster today, that's what I would be jumping on and looking to demonstrate back to advertisers, you know, if I had access to this data. Someone's going to feel some pain somewhere, though, uh, Sarah, because if we've got reach and frequency overlap in every market, and there's a lot of it, and we can't yet sort of unpack that, when you do get to unpack it, there's going to be decisions made that affect uh, in favour of some and not in others. So where do you think the pain points will be on the sell side of this? Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, you know, when amongst all of this, you know, there has to be some winners and losers. But um, but I think fundamentally, it just brings transparency to all. And I think it will just make media owners, as Richard said, you know, put together better arguments for, um, you know, a um, their media platforms and really think about how they develop those platforms over time to meet the needs of advertisers. Um, but yeah, you know, it will make us repraise the value of both traditional broadcast, you know, sort of online digital media, um, you know, which has been seen in a truly siloed manner before. And, um, and you know, for some platforms, they'll win against some audiences and for others, they'll win against different audiences. I think there will be benefits for all in one way or form and um, and um, I think you know for an industry um, you know I think we have to be more transparent about how we operate um, and uh, more effective and efficient about how we operate and this is the right way to progress. No question the right way to progress I think you've been very charming the United Nations and sort of being able to avoid actually saying who's going to get hurt here so I'm going to try Richard um, is there any pain points Richard um, is there any particular sectors you think will feel you know more impact than others? Well look I mean the, the eyeballs have only been going one way, right, in terms of, you know, the move from to. So anyone who's losing eyeballs is going to be nervous about, you know, this being the uh, conduit to more the more and faster transition of, 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 of eyeballs and, and more importantly, money. 
Um, but as I said before, you know, I think when we talk to advertisers about this, the consensus view actually is that the money has moved quicker than it should um, towards the digital platforms and that better data would, would potentially correct that um, transition. And I think if you're an advertiser, you're just sat in the middle going, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you because there isn't the data doesn't exist. Um, but we do know from advertisers we work with that, you know, when they do specific studies and they try and get under the skin of, you know, um, how to build incremental reach across platforms, one of the things that they discover is, you know, potentially there are there are in, inefficiencies in the way that they're spending today that, that cross media would allow them to correct. And, you know, it's possible that broadcasters, certainly in some of the experiments they've run, would be the beneficiaries um, with proper data. And so, you know, there's lots of advertisers and agencies out there doing a brilliant job of trying to put together cross-media analysis. But every time they do it, it's a project. And, you know, we need to make it systematic. We need to make it just how the industry runs. Sarah, can I ask, you know, we talk about, so, so uh, Richard talked about the reach and you've talked about reach, incremental reach. What about the quality of the reach? And, you know, we've got a debate going on here where we've got this whole sort of layer of attention coming in over the top of opportunity to see and impressions and so forth. So an ad isn't an ad. A platform isn't. There's just basically there's a lot of variables. So in the attention bit where we start to get under the layer of just opportunity to see and impressions, how does that sit with you and can this sort of uh, initiative, these programs, build that those sorts of dimensions into it down the track? Or do you want to see that as an advertiser? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good uh, point, Paul. I mean, it, this isn't about a race to the bottom, um, to make it clear. It's about having different metrics and KPIs that, um, that as an advertiser, we can plan against. And, um, you know, and that, that's about sort of, you know, allowing the advertiser, um, in some cases, the media agency to plan against whatever KPIs they want to plan against, depending upon what the outcomes are. I mean, if you're a performance-based um, uh, advertiser, you're not necessarily worried about viewability. You're worried about a click or a conversion. You know, in our, we, we invest a lot of money in performance advertising. In some cases, that's that would be the KPI we'll track against. You know, when we're looking to build awareness and drive penetration you know viewability is a far more important kpi for us to make sure that you know we have the eyeballs and that um you know um that consumers are, are watching our content and digesting our message so um you know and having the ability and the flexibility to be able to um adapt your media plans based upon you know really robust KPIs in a wholly transparent and deduplicated manner is like super, super exciting. I just want to come back to one point um, that you made earlier around, I think you're sort of pushing hard on, you know, well, who are the winners and the losers? And I don't think we should yeah, sorry. be assessing this, you know, on the basis of who's going to win, who's going to get more money, you know, who's going to get less money. And I think, you know, you, again, you touched on it earlier. I mean, um, in the UK, this has been really received very, very um, well by the industry as well, not just the industry, sorry, but also government as well. And I think an industry that's under a lot of pressure at the moment from government regulation. I think, you know, for this to be received as a right move for the industry in terms of bringing around transparency to what we do, I think it will have far broader benefits for the industry as a whole, whatever medium you happen to be in, whether that is broadcast TV or digital media. 
or any other media in terms of government's approach to advertising. So I think it needs to be viewed and evaluated more holistically in terms of what the desired outcomes are from this um, particular project, not about who's going to gain more Aussie dollars at the end of it versus another. Yeah. Well, it's a great point, Sarah, but I guarantee every media owner and everyone in the supply chain will be going, how am I going to be affected by this? Because that is a human thing to do. And I reckon that they'll be asking, gee, am I going to be up, down? So valid point. And I think the macro uh, but, but benefit ultimately, to, to ultimately regulatory... Ultimately, government regulation will impact their um, their potential revenue sources as well, I would say. That's true. Yeah, no, valid point. And basically what you're arguing there or what government sees in the UK is a, a new way to bring about some levelling of the competition or transparency. At least we know things are competitive and reasonably competitive. Hey, so Matt, we're going to wind this up as a great first take uh, with dangling a carrot to the Australians on what's coming. Well, in fact, this is the question to you, Matt. Essentially, what is going on, say, the two lead markets seem to be the US and the UK. What is the difference between what the US market is doing versus the UK, if there is any? And then reality is this is inevitable. You know, global advertisers want this. So whatever market you're in, whether it's Australia or New Zealand, Fiji, uh, this is coming. Is that a reasonable assumption to make over a period of time, cross-media will be here and led by advertisers and brands. I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth, Matt, of course. A couple of questions there. There's not enormous differences I, that I can see between the progress that is being made in the UK and the US. They have some of the same challenges about in, you know, stakeholder engagement that I can tell. Um, but they are both making great progress. And they are, what is key which you just picked up on and which we've spoken about in this session so far, is that both programs of work are clearly advertiser-centric, advertiser-led. And that's the magic about all of this work, really. Through all the three programs, the WFA program, the ISBA program, and the ANA program, really key. And I don't think, I think going forward, all of these programs, were they to take advantage, were they to follow the same route that the ANA and ISBA have gone down? I think advertiser leadership is really key. So. To answer your second question, I think it is relatively inevitable that something like this is going to come to many other markets in the world. And at the WFA, we have um, 60 national advertiser associations within our membership, and we are habitually telling them about the progress that's being made here, and we're seeing growing interest in that community to embark upon the same route that these associations that ISBA and ANA have gone down. So I, I think that I think many will, will take advantage of that, but I don't think we should underestimate the amount of effort that is required. I mean, it's taken ISBA and ANA a long time, a lot of work, an awful lot of work to corral the troops because there are so many cultural, political challenges here. It's just not an overnight thing. It really isn't. So I do think it's coming. Um, I think associations need to be brave and bold and they need to ensure that there is strong advertiser leadership. We are working on um, the components which would be common to the local pilots in the UK and the US. So we have a, a working group together right now, which is developing open source code, reference implementations largely, for the components in the technical proposal that I mentioned earlier. So that code is living in a GitHub repository and is going to be available to the entire industry on an open source basis. So that's for national advertiser associations. It's for Australia, it's for Fiji, it's for New Zealand, wherever, right? If these markets can assemble the right kind of stakeholder group, and it, I think it is critically important that those are advertiser-led, if these markets can get themselves organized like that, and yeah, I think there's every, every chance that they can implement this in their local markets because these components are going to live 
entirely license-free in a GitHub repository, all of that code, it's for them. It's for you in Australia if you want to go down this route. And I think, as we've heard in this call, it is a very compelling set of technology. So I'd like to think that it's something that you'll take advantage of in Australia and other markets as well. Well, it's free. You're, you're very kind and generous, Matt, and I'm sure um, I'll ask John Broom right now. What a, what a, what a great segue into... Uh, so with all that under the belt, John, what happens in Australia? What is your grand intent here uh, to, to do something in cross-media? Um, um, I look forward to hearing it now. Tell us it all. Here it comes. So look, we're going to make a really simple uh, and tongue-in-cheek decision uh, straight away. We're not going to call it cross-media audience measurement because it's a bit of a mouthful. So we're going to call it ACAM in Australia, which is uh, uh, all-channel audience measurement. It just rolls off the tongue. So that's the first. Wow, there we go. Breaking news. But look, no, more seriously, um, uh, the AANA have decided, like a lot of other industry associations around the world, that we want to be a fast follower here. So we will, first of all, continue to watch, learn, um, uh, from the two pilots that are going on in the US uh, uh, and, and the UK. But right now, what we want to do in parallel is start a conversation uh, here in Australia. We'll partner with the MFA. Uh, obviously, you know, that's the combined kind of like buy side side of things. But we want to engage with the sell side vendors to actually start talking about this in an open and free and frank uh, way. We want to surface all those questions, all those concerns uh, that, you know, uh, ISBAR and the ANA will have already uh, tackled. Uh, the next question we want to ask is, um, what do we have here in Australia that is easily adaptable to uh, this, uh, this approach uh, that is being, um, you know, coming from the global side to the local market? For example, to what degree can VOZ, you know, uh, fit into this? To what degree can Move 2.0 you know, another audience measurement system involving millions of dollars worth of investment be integrated uh, in, in, into this approach. And I think, you know, the industry needs to have some really objective conversations around how to effectively deploy, you know, some of the money that is being talked about uh, uh, and resources that are being talked about already. Then there's going to be all sorts of other questions. We haven't even today covered anything to do with governance or funding uh, of, of this. So that's something that you know we can come back to, and I know you want to have a, a second conversation uh, with this, and we can obviously get our media agency uh, partners in, in, in involved with that. But ultimately, what the AANA and the MFA want to do is uh, engage uh, the industry, um, and we most probably will use some form of white paper approach to do that. That will do two things. One is to bring everyone up to speed at the same time with what's going on around the world. Uh, give a kind of like a written version of what you've heard today, but then ask a series of questions uh, where we want to get some very honest feedback from all stakeholders across the ecosystem. And from that point of view, we will then start to organise for success. Well, great points. To be fair, uh, Richard, I do have to ask what your your thinking is around who funds this, because I guarantee I've left it right to the end. Uh, John brought it up because a lot of people will be going, who's going to pay for it? Where's the money coming from? Uh, so where is the money coming from to fund this? And is Sarah going to be that generous to um, hand over something to get some some output she's looking for and, and, her, and her ilk? Podcast appearance fees is quite a big line in the uh, <laughs> budget. So nice. we're doing these 24-7. Yes. The problem with that, Richard, it's publishing. So you know where the margins are there. But we're negotiating already. This is good. No, I think the advertiser um, point that we've all made, actually, in our case, certainly in terms of funding the project, has, has, has been translated into actual cash. You know, the, the brands have put their money where their mouth is. And, 
you know we we have been exploring a model where you know you have a two basically a two-sided funding model where uh, advertisers and agencies who want and need data for reporting and planning are prepared to pay for that because as Sarah says it generates savings for them in terms of media spend and where those bodies who aren't measured today make a contribution towards the cost of bringing that data together and then we'll pay obviously license fees for data that's already out there for broadcasters radio etc so it's a two, yeah two-sided funding model the idea would be to to recover the costs of of what we're doing and, and no more um, and create an entity that's you know fundamental objective is to protect the integrity and the independence of the data and I think having a multi-sided funding model helps protect that you know you're not there on behalf of one constituency above another you have the buy and the sell side represented sat around the table and all putting in some of the funding and that's that's a model we've 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 developed as a straw man in the uk and we're we're working through at the moment um sarah it is true it's, it's, it's advertisers very rarely i don't even remember they've never put their hand in their pocket for any sort of media or audience research this is you this is breaking news right in terms of it's not usual it's not normal maybe it happened in the 50s and 60s i was a bit young then but in the last 20 years it hasn't really happened right this is different oh yeah super different and we already are so um uh, origin in the uk already has over 30 advertisers richard i think something in the region of that who are already contributing you know sizable amounts of money to um the development of this cross-media measurement program you know we fundamentally believe in it that it's something that is essentially important to the industry and therefore yeah you know we're willing to help and support and fund this and want to be a core part of this this measurement system and its government governance and you know funding arrangement going forward it is a strategic move for us as um, advertisers and very different to how we've um, operated before so I, I can feel um, what's coming next with a, with round two of this, and I just want to ask Richard one more question, one minute max each. Is if you had one piece of advice for agencies and one piece of advice for media owners, what would that be, Richard, in terms of get, moving into this discussion in Australia about cross media or ACAM? Um, I think agencies have an open mind. You know, I think there's a lot of proprietary tech out there um, developed by agencies. Um, if they talk to their planners, they will tell tell you that you know that is there to to fill a void. And I think what the WFA have proposed is a very elegant way of bringing the industry together. And agencies, you know, they have to be part of that conversation. They have to bring their expertise to bear, but they're going to need to collaborate on a on a system that that they didn't invent. And you know, that's that's just a sort of. Uh, that's that's a bit of a leap of faith they're going to need to take, but hopefully watching what's going on in the UK and the US will help. And actually, I spoke to um, the CEO of Omnicom in the UK yesterday, and he was about to jump on the phone with the CEO of Omnicom in, in Australia to sort of share the the experience that they've had. Um, so, you know, hopefully some of those, those messages can be passed directly between the organisations. And then for media owners, look, I think... The, the, the traditional brands have nothing to hide. You know, high quality media, engaged audiences, established metrics. So connecting that into a system that represents other media is just an opportunity to, to dem, you know, further demonstrate the benefit of, of, of their existing products to advertisers. And actually, as we move, you know, more and more into a digital world, 
to show that the the kind of old dogs have learned all the new tricks of the digital market in terms of effectiveness and outcomes. You know, that's that's the big opportunity. And advertisers, now that we've, we're on a roll, we might as well finish with this one. One bit of advice for marketers here in Australia. So I think for marketers, get involved, sit around the table, you know, be a good customer. Essentially, that's what you are of this, of this project. You are the client, um, but, but, you know, be an engaged, critical friend. Um, and that's, you know, the best, the best conversations we have with our advisory group are, are very much in that, in that spirit. They're very supportive. Publicly, they're very, um, they champion this. And then in private, we have really good conversations, robust conversations about you know, how it needs to work and what it needs to deliver. Richard Holton, Matt Green, Sarah Mansfield, John Broom, thank you. Uh, I reckon we're in for one hell of a ride uh, on this one. It's going to be fascinating to watch and I look forward to the, out- um, to the outcomes of this. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for the time. Uh, stay, stay safe. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.